Well, good morning, Maple Grove, and welcome to the third Sunday, day 17 of the year 2021. Yeah, I know, and it feels a lot like the year 2020 in some ways. But hey, we have 348 days left, right? And we could turn this puppy around. You know, every day the sun rises and chases away the darkness, right? And so uh, we have many new opportunities ahead of us. Now, I wasn't here last Sunday. Laurie and I went away on a mini vacation to celebrate our anniversary, uh, 24 years. Are you clapping for my anniversary or that I wasn't here last week, right? I'll save this for the anniversary. And, uh, but Tim Cole did a great job last week tracing the history of the church from uh, the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost through the, uh, the rise of the Pope, through the Reformation, to the Restoration Movement, of which we are a part of. And, uh, and, I, and I've been a part of the restoration movement uh, since I was 19 years old. And what drew me to the movement then is what still draws me today is that it's a movement that says, hey, the Bible is our sole authority and that we want to be known as Christians only, but that we're not the only Christians. Um, some of the mottos I, I like they had, you know, no book but the Bible, no name but the divine name, and no creed but Christ. Another one of the mottos they had was an essential unity and matters of opinion, liberty or freedom, and in all things, love. Great message and great job to all those people that got to stand up here last week. The signs are, you did a great job, uh, all those volunteers. Now, now, back on January the 3rd, uh, we finished up our series, Finding Freedom from the Things That Bind Us, by talking about finding freedom from the past and so doing, making your 2021 a blast. And just to remind you, right, if you want your 2021 to be better than 2020, you have to believe that God has something new and better. You got to leave some stuff behind. You got to adapt to change in circumstances, and they change all the time. You got to strain towards what is ahead. You got to grow like Jesus, set those goals, intellectual, physical, relational, spiritual goals. And trust in God and lean not on your own understanding. And, and the most important thing about that message was not really what happened in here. It's what you did when you went home. You know, I, I'm working on mine. I'm still fine-tuning it, right? So here's, here's my making 2021 a blast sheet that I'm filling out. I want to encourage you guys. I got some in the back, right? You're just not going to fall into a new year. You got to have a plan. Right? you got to plan on what you're going to do and what you want to accomplish, or else the new year will control you. Circumstances will control you. So I just want to encourage you to do that. Um, it's really good. Um, that's where we've been so far this year. Um, let me tell you where we're going. Next week, we're going to kick off a series that I'm calling This Is. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk about This Is Me. I'm going to talk about my approach and my attitude and my aim as I stand up here each week. And then we're going to have a message called, This Is You. And I'm going to talk about how what you do with your life matters. And then a message, This Is Us. And we're going to take some time unpacking these banners that hang up here. Like, what does it mean? It's to refocus us, to renew us, to refresh us on what our, our mission is all about. Water is a beautiful thing. And because of our donations, right, in Nepal, people are drinking clean water. That's so cool. Well, today, January the 17th of the year 2021, I know a lot of us were looking forward to 
2021 being a whole lot better than 2020 and uh, 17 days out of the gate is not looking that great. I mean, all the turmoil, the unrest, the anger, the division, it's just crazy out there. To be honest, I, I really struggled this week of what, um, what God wants me to share with you this morning. Like, I, I, I don't want what's out in the world to consume and dictate what we talk about in this room. But at the same time, I, I don't want to avoid what's going on, and there's a lot going on. Like, I don't want it to consume us, but I can't ignore it. And so, in such a time as this, what are we as Jesus followers, as members of God's household, what are we to think and how are we to respond to everything that surrounds us? And one of the most troubling things to me has been the way Jesus followers are behaving. I mean, as I scrolled through my news feed on Facebook, I saw so much anger, animosity, judgmental attitudes from Christians aimed not at the world, but aimed at each other. Like some people are, are very happy that President Trump is leaving office. Some, some are not. Some people are excited about a new administration coming in. Some are not. Not only not excited, some are afraid that the America they grew up in may be gone. Bottom line, there are some very real and raw emotions out there that are really being (laughs) stirred up and amped up through the news media, through social media. It's just crazy out there. It really is. So again, what are we to do and how are we to live? Understand, my struggle was real this week, and, and it, it, it's still real right now. Like, what does God want me to say? What, what, what do we need to hear this morning? Not, do we, not what, we, what do we want to hear, what do we need to hear? And where I landed was on a conversation I want to unpack today called Divided We Are Falling Divided, we are failing. I don't think anyone in this room or online would disagree with these two points I'm going to make. Number one, that that our country is seriously divided right now. I, I don't know, maybe the Civil War, definitely the Civil War, but I don't know of another time where it has been so polarized as it is right now. And number two, I think you'd agree with me that the last thing that this lost, dark, broken, divided world needs is a divided church. It's for our salt to lose its saltiness. It's for our light to be hidden under a cloud of opinions and distractions. It's January 17th, 2021. And there is much division, much nastiness, snarkiness in a church. And now, maybe not between people in this room, because sometimes we keep our opinions to ourselves, so no one knows what we think. But again, just go on a news feed and social media, and you'll, see, you'll just see Christians just going at it. bantering and attacking and belittling and taunting 
can't believe you voted for him. I can't believe you support this. I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you participated in that. You're a Christian nationalist. What happened on December 6th was a Christian insurrection. How can you even consider voting for a man like that? I saw an article posted on my Facebook newsfeed from a fellow pastor out in Idaho entitled, Evangelicals Face a Reckoning, Donald Trump and the Future of Our Faith. And what the article claimed is that those who supported and voted for Trump are basically in a cult and that we worship Donald Trump, that they worship Donald Trump and are putting their faith in him rather than in Jesus Christ. In fact, there's a conference coming up I saw, you know, you know removing Trumpism from the evangelical church. And listen, here's the truth. There are people in this room and people online who voted and supported Donald Trump. There are people in this room and there's people watching at home who voted for Joe Biden. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to treat each other? There's far, far, far too much tension, finger pointing, accusations, and judgmental attitudes out there between Christians. Am I the only one, but... Have you felt the tension between Jesus followers just amp up during the last 12 months with COVID, with protests, with riots, with December 6th, with an election? And listen, according to Jesus, like the vision is like a big deal. It's like a huge deal. He said this in Luke chapter 11, verse 17. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And a house divided against itself will stand. I mean, a house divided against itself will fall. Division equals ruin, falling, and failing in our mission. And, and let's not deceive ourselves and think that our current division is an exception to this rule. <laughs> that we can be divided and still stand. That we can be divided and not wind up in ruin. Here's the deal. The world will never be one for Christ until we are one in Christ. And listen, the reality of this truth is exactly what we see going down in John chapter 17 when Jesus is in the garden praying mere moments before his arrest and mere moments for all the cruel things that would follow after that arrest. Jesus is a wreck. Matthew 26 says that his soul was in deep anguish to the point of death. And Jesus is crying out in the garden to God. God, is there a way that this cup of your wrath can pass from me? I don't want to drink it. I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to be viewed as the sins of the world. But yet not my will, but yours. And then he prays for his disciples John 17, 1, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Then he prays for us, beginning in verse 20. See the desperation of the prayer. I, I don't, 
That kind of captures it, but I don't think it totally captures it, does it? Desperation he felt. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. See, complete unity and oneness equals the world will know and many many more will be saved. You know what? I know this important message. I have not had dry cotton mouth like this speaking forever. I got another drink of water. My mouth is sticking together like crazy. It is not a good time. I got to drink some more water. I know, I'm not well. It's okay. Complete unity and oneness equals the world will know and many more will be saved. Division and disunity, the world will not know and countless more will remain lost. Like seriously, are are we going to let COVID-19 wear a mask or not wear a mask? Who won the election or or who did not win the election keep people from going to heaven? Like is that really worth it? Let that... Make us not united. You know, I, I create this post. I'm not very good at it. You wouldn't believe how long it takes me to find a picture and make this on PowerPoint. But, you know, um, a divided church, divided Jesus followers will never bring hope or healing to our divided world. Hashtag divided, we are falling. Hashtag divided, we are failing. Paul spoke to a wrote to a divided church in 1 Corinthians. The church was divided. And, and uh, there's a powerful principle in here. Church in Corinth is divided. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 10 through 13. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there will be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, Some from Chloe's household have shown me your Facebook feed and informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Paulus. Another, I follow Cephas. So another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Maple Grove, is Christ divided? Was Donald Trump or Joe Biden crucified for you? Was the GOP or the DNC crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of the DNC or the GOP? I think not. Divided, we are falling. Divided, we are failing. Now, you know, I love acrostics. It helps me remember things. And I came up with the acrostic of the word stop. Stop. All this finger pointing. All this taunting. All this judging, all this you voted for him shaming, and I've been a part of it, needs to stop. Because the act in this way is so unbecoming for people who have been 
bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and who claim to be following after him. Stop. Stop being so quick to judge others. Transformation over conformity. Overflow all interactions with grace. Put Jesus and his gospel first. And I want to spend some time unpacking those statements. Before I do, I I, I want to tell a story, and it's a story you heard before, but I think it's so appropriate for what God wants to accomplish in us today. Now, now Telemachus was a monk in the 4th century. Uh, One day in prayer, he felt led by God to go to Rome, so immediately he packed his bag and he started headed to Rome, and once he hit the streets of Rome, there was a huge crowd going. They seemed excited about where they were going, and Telemachus said, you know what, I don't want to miss out. And before long, he found himself in the Roman Colosseum. He asked those around him, hey, hey, what's going on? He said, well, the Romans just defeated the Goths, and the emperor is throwing a circus to celebrate. And he looked up, and he noticed the emperor in his booth, and he couldn't help but notice the gladiators as they came in and stood before the emperor and shouted their traditional slogan, we who are about to die salute you. And in an instant, he knew that all the stories he's heard were true. Now, the bishop spoke out against the gladiator fights, but he kind of thought it wasn't real. And soon the gladiators, they started fighting, and he's watching them fighting. He's watching the blood flow, and he's seeing the crowd as the people are getting excited. They're in a craze watching the go, screaming for more blood, and he's like, this, this isn't right. And so in his seat, he he begins to cry out, in the name of Jesus, stop. But no one could hear him. Without thinking, he jumps into the arena. And the gladiators stop fighting as they see this small monk standing there. And, and, and then one gladiator takes his sword and swings at it. He starts running, and they're chasing him. He's running and jumping and dodging the sword. People think he's just a clown there on comic relief. All the while, he's shouting, in the name of Jesus, stop. In the name of Jesus, stop. In the name of Jesus, stop. And finally, all the gladiators, they close in on him. And when the dust settles, there is this monk lying on the ground with the sword in the center of his chest. And it's said that his cries echoed in the Colosseum. In the name of Jesus, stop. Colosseum was silent, and one guy got up to leave, then another, then another, then another. Finally, the stadium's almost empty. Finally, the emperor, he gets up and he leaves. And then the gladiators drop their swords and they leave. And it said from that, that very day that the Roman emperor made an edict making all gladiator fights and killing for sport illegal. All because one guy had the courage to jump in the arena and say, in the name of Jesus, stop. Fellow Jesus followers, in the name of Jesus, stop. Stop. Because divided, we're falling. Because divided, we're failing in our mission. Heavenly Father, We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. I ask that you help me to speak boldly and clearly for you. 
Not what I want to say, but what you know we need to hear. I pray that we would hear what you have to say to us. I pray that we want to be like Telemachus in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, stop. Amen. Maple Grove, we are falling. We are failing. In the name of Jesus, stop. Stop being so quick to judge others. Man, we are so good at that, right? I mean, we are locked and loaded with a hair trigger waiting for someone to slip up so we can pounce on them and judge them. People we know, people we don't know, people we never even met. I'm so guilty. I got to confess, sometimes I can see a bumper sticker on a car and I want to drive next to the car to see what they look like. Like, oh, okay, that's what you look like, I know. That's pitiful. I don't know them. Never met them. Maybe they just bought the car, I don't know. That's wrong. Jesus said some things about judging others in that great sermon on the mount. Do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged. You, you think he was telling the truth there? And if so, do you want to be judged the same way, by the same criteria that you judge other people? I don't. Judge by your worst moments. Judge by a few misspoken words. Judge by people who do not even know you. Or do not know your full story? Are you kidding me? You seriously voted for Donald Trump? You really voted for Joe Biden? You don't wear a mask all the time? You wear a mask in your car all by yourself or when you're out hiking the Blue Ridge Mountains? Well, then if that's true of you, then you must be and I'll let you fill in the blank because you've already done it countless times before. You're not judged and you'll not be judged for you'll be treated as you treat others. Sinner you use in judging is a standard by which you'll be judged. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, hey, let me get the speck out of your eye. Jesus is being funny here, right? Hey, would you let someone who had a log in their eye try to get a speck out of your eye? Not a chance. I love it. Do you say, hey, you know what? You have some issues. How about we deal with your issues first? You get your issues cleared up, then maybe you can help your brother. Otherwise, that log is just going to smack him around and give him a concussion. concussion. Jesus continues. Hypocrite. Well, that's the word that's used a lot today, isn't it? And I would suggest... That we as Jesus followers, before we launch that word to somebody else, we first take a look in the mirror. Oh, you hypocrite. I can't. Oh, you hypocrite. Both sides saying the same thing to each other, right? You hypocrite. You hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. You see, our world is quick to judge. Quick to label. Quick to cancel. But Maple Grove, I dry mouth. 
I'm going to fight through it. We're not of this world. We're to live by a different standard. Do not judge others, and you'll not be judged. How are you doing so far? For you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is a standard by which you'll be judged. Now, Paul in Romans 14, he talked about there's divisions of the church in Rome, and they were judging each other. And Paul addresses it. And the context is um, they had disagreements over disputable matters, over matters of opinion. He actually says that in Romans 14, verse 1. They agree with each other, accept each other, and don't argue over disputable matters, matters of opinion. And the things they were divided over were things like diet. Hey, can I, can I, am I veggie only or if I eat meat? Hey, if I'm veggie only, I'm more spiritual. If I eat meat, I understand my freedom in Christ. Just kind of silliness. Hey, one group thought, hey, this day is special. Let's celebrate. Others thought, hey, every day is the same. And they were arguing over this, over matters of opinion. Here's what we read in Romans 14, verse 9. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It's written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of you will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another in regards to disputable matters, matters of opinion. Maple Grove, divided we are falling, divided we are failing in the name of Jesus. Stop. Stop being so quick to judge others. Especially people you do not know. Or those you do not know the whole story. I don't know if anybody here has a personal relationship with Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Or judging people you you don't even take the time to have a conversation with. Remember John 8 and the woman caught in adultery and they're all getting ready to stone her, right? See, we're not to be stone throwers. We're to be people lifters, right? We need to put down our stones and look for ways that we can lift people up rather than pelting them with stones. And let me just say one quick thing before we move on because I don't want what I'm saying to be misappropriated. We're talking about judging, looking at, at fellow believers dealing with matters of opinion and disputable matters, not matters of sin. There's a scripture reference you see there. I'll let you read it on your own. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. That's when Paul wrote this letter. And he's basically saying, hey, when I told you not to be around immoral people, I was not talking about the people in the world because then you'd have to leave the world. I was talking about, hey, don't hang with people who say they love Jesus but aren't living like they love Jesus. And then he says, hey, who am I to judge those outside the church? I'm to judge those inside. So when it comes to sin, we are to, in love, come alongside a brother or sister and point out that sin, right? That's not judging them. That's not the judging that Jesus is condemning, all right? And you can read that verse for yourself. Divided we are falling, divided we are failing, in the name of Jesus, stop. Stop judging others so quickly. Some of you are judging me right now. Stop. (laughs) The T stands for transformation over conformity. Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper worship. 
And then Paul goes on to tell us one of the ways that we can offer our bodies to God, one of the ways we can offer our bodies to God in a way that is pleasing to him, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, one of the reasons that there's division in the church is because we're being influenced by the ideas, values, beliefs, and norms of this fallen world. And the influence is very subtle, right? But we are literally immersed in human wisdom, in human philosophy, in human worldview all the time, through the media, through music, through movies, through our schools, through our universities, through social media, such that we don't even know we're being influenced. We don't recognize it because we're right in the middle of it. And I want to give you an illustration to kind of explain what I'm trying to say. Back in the 1980s, that was my home every other three months. That beautiful thing there is the USS Woodrow Wilson SSBN 624. I may have been in there when they took that picture. See me smiling there in the engine room, all right? And so for three months, we lived inside that underwater in that 425-foot enclosed tube. No sun, no sky, no fresh air. Now, we had something called CAMS, Continuous Air Monitoring System, that monitored Gases like CO2, when they got too high, we'd go to snorkel death, raise our induction mass, suck in good air, blow out the bad air, then go back down and do our thing. And whenever I came home, you know what I couldn't do? I could not bring my sea bag into the house. It stayed outside. And you know why? Because it had what we called the submarine smell. I mean, I even had to take them to the laundromat to wash them. And this is a Bible that I had back then, you know, and it took like months for this Bible not to have the submarine smell. But for those three months, I didn't even notice. But when I came back like two days later, and I stood on top side above that hatch about to climb down the ladder, oh my gosh, the aroma coming up to my nostrils I didn't want to go back down there. You see, in a way, I had to conform to the submarine smell. And that's what it's like living in our culture. We're immersed in it. We're underwater. We're in this 425-foot enclosed tube of this world. As a result, many of the ways of thinking and living that we think are normal and right and okay are not normal and right and okay. It's just because our culture says it's normal and right and okay. And to me, one of the biggest things is abortion. All right? Abortion is taking of a human life in a womb, period. There's no scriptural support for doing that. There's a lot of emotional reasons, but we've come to accept that that's just part of the way of life in America. No, it's not what God wants. And that's why we need to regularly pull away yeah, we, we got to get out of, the, out of that tube, pull away, be in God's word, be with God's people, and then we're going to notice, wait a second, <laughs> that just don't smell right. That reasoning and values just don't smell right to me. It's not what God wants. We're not to conform to the world. How, how do we know when we're conforming to the world? 
Well, when, I think one way is when our values and our beliefs are lining up with those in the world. Like, when we are cheering on what they cheer on, we're celebrating what they celebrate. Like, whenever Hollywood, if I am ever find myself standing on the side of Hollywood that's anti-God, anti-Christian, I need to take pause and say, wait a second. Maybe something's not right here. You see, Jesus does not want you and I to become more woke to the culture. He wants us to become more awake to the gospel, right? More awake to the gospel takes care of everything. Jesus said in John 15, 18 and 19, he says, the world hates you. Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. You see, when, when, when Jesus' followers bring truth to a world that loves falsehood, the world will hate them. Uh, when, when Jesus' followers brings God's righteousness and holiness to a world that loves and justifies its sin, the world will hate us. It's just the way Jesus said it's going to be. He said in Luke chapter 6, verse 26, What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? That's kind of what we know. When it's like, wow, I think the exact same way this fallen world does. Maybe I need to think. Maybe I need to renew my mind. The way you renew your mind is through being in the word of God. It's so important. It's so important or else you're conformed to the smell of our culture and not even notice it. We have a new faith comes from hearing. I'm going to send a text out. We read a chapter a day. We'll start in Luke Luke 1 tomorrow, I encourage you to be a part of it. You know, another term that, that we, we see today, this, this two-word phrase, fact-checker, right? Fact-checker. I, I wanted to, you know what my fact-checker is? What is right and what is wrong? Right here. That's my fact-checker. Right here. This is my fact-checker. Is that right or is that wrong? Is this the highest authority in my life or I just say that if it agrees with me? Either this, is my, either this is the ultimate authority in my life or it has no authority in my life. And I just use it to justify whatever I want to do. All men are like grass and all their glory, all their reasoning, all their philosophy is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of God endures forever. This is my fact checker. Is that right or is that wrong? It, it's me driving up to a car and judging someone by a bumper sticker, right or wrong. This fact checker says, see, that's wrong. That's ungodly. That's unbecoming of someone who claims Jesus to judge people you don't know. But not have a conversation with people. To talk about people behind them, whatever it is, man. My fact checker says that's wrong. Divided we are falling, divided we are failing. In the name of Jesus, Stop being so quick to judge others. Transformation over conformity. The O stands for overflow all interactions with grace. There's not a lot of grace in the world right now, is there? But don't you think things would be better if there was more grace? Raise your hand if you like it when people are gracious to you. 
when they treat you better than you deserve, right? We all do. When they're kind to you, even when you don't deserve it. Paul writes in Colossians 4, 6, let your conversation, let your words, your texts, your tweets, your posts, your comments be always full of grace, always full of kindness, always full of treating people better than they deserve, always full of love and forgiveness and mercy. Season with salt that you may know how to answer everyone. I mean, let's make every effort and let's help each other do it to, to overflow every conversation with grace. And listen, if conversations are to overflow with grace, it's going to begin with us, right? With his people, with you and with I. Ephesians 4.29. And how many times have you broke this one? Remain seated if you broke it. <laughs> Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. According to their needs, not yours. And sometimes I have a need to judge people because that makes me feel better about me. That's not helping them. That it may benefit those who listen. Golden rule, we know that, right? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And when we do that, when we, when we overflow every conversation with grace, it'll be a sweet aroma. Not a submarine smell aroma coming out into our world. Maple Grove, we are falling and we are failing. Stop being so quick to judge others. Transformation over conformity. Overflow every conversation with grace. And that could be hard, right? It's giving people what they don't deserve. But I'm so glad God is gracious to me. I'd have been done with me a long time ago. P, put Jesus and his gospel first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. His right way of living, right? Not, not the world's righteousness. <laughs> seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And, and that word first is, is the Greek word proton. And it, it's not like first as in a list. But it means first as in that which determines everything else. Put Jesus and his gospel first. And Jesus, he's not shy about making this demand that he has to come first. If you think he's shy, let me show you how not shy he is. Luke 14. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, does not hate Wife and children does not hate. Brothers and sisters, yes, does not hate. Even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And what that means is Jesus comes first so much that our love and devotion to him almost looks like we hate everything else. He's not saying go out and hate someone, right? Because that, that just violates the rest of the gospel, right? The great commandment. But he says, your devotion to me. If you got to be, choose between me and your mom, or me and your brother, your sisters, me and this world, me and whatever, you choose me because I come first. 
See, Jesus must come first in our words and our actions and our loyalty, first in our life mission. And, and here's the deal. The, the mission of Jesus takes priority over every movement. The mission of Jesus takes priority over every movement. It takes priority over the Make America Great movement. It takes priority over the Black Lives Matter movement. It takes priority over the Civil Rights movement. It takes priority over, priority over the America First movement. And, and listen, all the good that's in all those causes will be covered in the gospel of Jesus, right? All the good and what's right in all those causes will be covered by the gospel of Jesus and the spread of his kingdom. Amen? I mean, it's all, it's all covered. During the last 11 months, the evil one has used many things to distract us and to both move Jesus and his gospel from first place in our lives, right? COVID-19, isolation from each other, protests, riots, a presidential election. I mean, imagine if we, if you, if every Jesus follower in the United States of America would have put as much energy and heart and emotion and passion and resources and activity and time into his mission as they put into all those other things. Imagine how many lost people would have been saved from the wrath of God and the fires of hell. I cannot help but think that God is very disappointed in us. Like seriously. Things we get fired up about. Things we rally for. Things we march for. And then we, like how many lost people could have been saved? Maybe some of us in this room need to repent. Maybe all of us need to repent. Repent of making lesser things. And let me tell you, Steve, everything is a lesser thing compared to Jesus. Everything is a lesser thing compared to Jesus. Every movement is a lesser movement compared to the kingdom of God. It is. We are in this world, but not of this world. We have a king. It's not Trump. It's not Biden. It's Jesus. And we have a citizenship. It's not really America, is it? Our citizenship is in heaven, right? And we eagerly await a savior who will return to take us there. In the meantime, he wants us to go and make members of the latest movement or fad that's sweeping across the nation? No. To make disciples of people. To bring lost people to Jesus. In the name of Jesus, stop. 
See, you know people that I don't know. You see stuff on Facebook that I don't see. And I always encourage you to be a Telemachus. When you see it, or we see each other, in the name of Jesus, stop. Stop the division. Stop the hating. Stop the anger. Stop the judging. Stop the finger pointing. Stop the accusing. Stop the shaming. We're part of the same family. We just need to get our act together. And there's still time. I'm going to close with this passage. Paul writes to the church in Philippi from jail. Whatever happens, COVID, elections, protest, injustice, censorship, loss of freedoms, stock market crash, unemployment goes high or low, whatever happens. People you like get in, people you like don't get in, whatever happens. Because stuff happens. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. No matter what happens, you and I are never justified. Well, you know what? This wasn't right, so now I'm justified in acting in the wrong way. Whatever happens. Dude's writing from jail, right? In there unjustly. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit. Striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed. But that you will be saved and that by God. For it is granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggles you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Therefore if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but, but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human kindness and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Yet our world is messed up. And we are messed up. And we have messed up. But we can still turn things around. We can choose to be a Telemachus in our world. In the name of Jesus, stop. In the name of Jesus, stop. Just one closing thought, and then I'll pray. This thought hit me this week. You know, that the church can never be the hope of the world if it's looking for hope in the world. 
Right? If we're looking for hope in who's in D.C. or not in D.C., <laughs> who won the election, who didn't win the election, what's, if we're looking for hope in this world, we cannot be the hope of the world because our hope is not of this world. Our hope is a living hope, right? Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is giving us a living hope, right? A hope that cannot perish, spoil, or fade away, kept in heaven for you and I. Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence. And, and right now, God, I, I pray your spirit just works on our hearts. God, we are part of a church, worldwide church, and a church in your nation that is divided and everybody's judging and finger-pointing and while lost people are drowning. And Father God, I, I pray right now that whatever you want us to repent of, we would do it. Father, help us to be part of the solution to this division. Satan laughs as Christians fight each other and accuse each other, point fingers at each other, shame each other. And God, I pray that we can just turn things around. I pray, God, that we pull away from this world and begin to smell the sweet aroma of who you are. God, give us the courage. Lord, sometimes we have the courage to stand up for things in this world. Give us the courage to stand up for you and for your gospel. Help us to awake to the power and beauty of your gospel to change hearts and lives. Father God, we know that 2,000 years ago that your people, that they, they brought down the Roman Empire and all the evil within it, not through voting or through marching, but by changing one life at a time, by bringing men and women, young and old, to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Though we think we don't know what we can do to help this messed up world, we can share you. We can give, bring lost people to you. We can leave these familiar shores and allow you to use us in new ways, God. God, help us to break through our apathy and to break through to be gospel warriors for you. In Jesus' name, amen.